All right. I think we're finally live. What's going on, everybody? It's Randall Thor 19 Man with a Million here with a special Xbox 2 podcast. I know we'd normally do this weekly, uh, but this one's going to be more focused about Gears 5 because Jez, my trusty co-host, actually spent the day at the Coalition playing the campaign on Monday, and he's here to tell us pretty much all about it. How's it going, Jez? Hey, man. Pretty good. Pretty tired. <laughs> I traveled like 20 hours on Thursday to get back here, and then right after traveling, I had to stay up all night to hit the embargoes because there wasn't much time in between, but I survived. And now I'm here, and now we are podcasting. Um, we do have some possible connection problems, I think. Um, so bear with us if there's issues there, but we'll try and muddle through and next time we'll come up with a different setup to stop this from happening. But yeah, man, here's five. What do you want to talk about first? Do you just want to go straight into it or, or what? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just like start talking about it, like go right ahead and talk about Gears 5. Well, do you want to, what have you been playing this week? T- tell us that first. Let's 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 hear what you've been playing this week because there has been loads of games coming out recently, and then the rest of the podcast, I suppose, will probably be just talking about gears because there hasn't been a huge amount of news besides gears this week. But there has been a lot of game releases, right? That is true. Yeah. That that. All right. So my week. Well, it was my birthday on Tuesday. Happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you. To you. <laughs> I'm not gonna sing. Don't oh, worry, please, guys. please. Can we get you to sing? Can you please? <laughs> no. Nah, we'll lose all our listeners, man. Mm. Let's, let's not go down that way. Um, but yeah, so I had my, my, my birthday on Tuesday. I appreciate everybody, you know, reaching out to me on Twitter and on Xbox. Uh, DMs being like, hey, happy birthday. Um, you know, it made me feel like really good. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't make any videos for pretty much the whole week. Uh, I didn't really feel like doing it. There's a lot of, there's this, there's really nothing, but you know what I've been doing a lot of what's actually, uh, the last couple weeks I haven't been playing games. I was watching TV. Well, I actually beat both control and man of Madonna already. Okay. So tell me about controlling. Cause this game, I'm just not going to play this game. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, the con- I've got no room in my life for control right now. I got gears coming up. I got monster Hunter iceborne coming up. There's no chance I can fit control into my life at all right now. So <laughs> you're gonna, I'm gonna have to live it vicariously through you, man. Yeah. So, right. It's an open. Well, it's like not truly open world, but it is a way more open game than uh, Quantum Break was, or even Alan uh, Wake. Some people have described it as Metroidvania. Yes. Yes, it definitely has Metroidvania aspects to it. Like, you're in a big building, it has multiple floors and multiple wings, and obviously some areas you can't progress to until you get powers. The thing about Control is what it does well is the gunplay and the physics, right? So, you play as Jesse, and there's this crazy stuff going on in this Federal Bureau of Control. And when I mean crazy, I mean legit crazy. There's they're like astral plane, dimensions, things from other worlds. It's like Sam Lake took um, a, like is on an acid trip when he wrote this. 
Like, and I mean oh, wow. that the like, best way possible. I mean, you, you have objects of power and altered world events. It's absolutely crazy, right? The style of the game is impeccable. Um, but as far as, like, ver- you know, it versus Quantum Break and, and Alan Wake, here's the thing, right? Because I'll, I'll save all the, like, in-depth stuff for the review. So what Control does better than either of those other two games is the combat. The gunplay is actually really good. Uh, your pistol, really accurate, fun to use. Your machine gun, your sniper rifle, the shotgun. All better weapons than any other weapons in other games. And, like, the world is so cool in this that it's better than any of the, their two previous games. Now, right. <laughs> however, I thought the story wasn't as interesting, like, the actual plot. Like, once you get over how strange everything is, the actual pr- plot isn't that compelling as say the time travel stuff that was going on in quantum break. And unfortunately, Jesse as a character just isn't as good as a character as Alan Wake was. Um, so it's, it's a lot of it. it, I know it's like some of it's better than Alan Wake and quantum break. And then some of it isn't. And Oh my God, the performance issues problems, dude. Holy crap. Um, Mm. performance issues on pretty much the X, the PlayStation, the regular Xbox, frame rate drops, desyncing audio during cutscenes, uh, the in-game map not showing up properly. So there, that, this game was a game that was released way too early. Um, but I, I mean, I it still feels like it. Um, I feel like this is kind of like a cash flow thing where they get to a point where they can't, they can't wait any longer to ship the game because they're not being backed by a huge publisher. They're being backed by 505 Games, right? Yes, they're being backed by 505 Games on this one. Okay. Well, still, like, if you take that into account, the the fact that they probably needed more monster polish and stuff, because Quantum Break had its issues too on the Xbox One base console back in the day. Do you remember? Yes. Yes, I do. Is that just a? Do you think that's just a remedy thing? I think it might be. I think it might be something to do with their engine and stuff. Uh, I'm not really sure, but here's the thing. I don't know if I'd really recommend the game. Like I liked it, but if you're not really a fan of remedying what they do, I'm not sure this game's gonna change your mind. Especially Is it a sixty dollar game. Sixty bucks. You can probably beat the game. In seven to eight hours if you just did the main story. Now, there are side quests to do. Some of them are good. Some of them are actually quite good. Some of them are garbage. Some of them are literally, hey, go over here in this area of the map and just kill mold people. Right? So, I've done almost all of them. And I think... And I read all the collectibles. Like, I was so into the world in this game. I would... And there's collectibles all over it, all over the world, because it's really fleshed out, and it really tells a good story through the collectibles. I'd actually read them all. But... It just kind of... I don't know. It kind of... It's like stutters. It doesn't... Stutters isn't the right word. It kind of putters out, I guess, is the better word for it. Like, I was so into it in the beginning for, like, the first 10 hours that eventually, at some point... I was like, I'm done doing side quests. I'm done reading the collectibles. I just want to finish the game. Because it kind of just... It falls in that trope of like, alright, now what we're going to do is we're just going to throw wave after wave after wave of enemies at you. And 
the kind of the gameplay loop kind of rears its ugly head. Like you don't really notice this so much before. I think one of the things one of the things Remedy seems to struggle with, and I loved Quantum Break and I loved Alan Wake, but even Quantum Break felt like they ran out of ideas towards the end. Like it was kind of like, well, what do we do now? Like and and he just sort of I don't know. Like the the execution of the last act never seemed to be that great. Like they're running out of ways to keep the the gameplay fresh throughout the experience. Would you say that is true of control as well? Uh yeah, for the most part, I think so. Yeah. A lot of people hated the last boss in Quantum Break and felt like it was just sort of thrown together and not very well realized and stuff like that. There's not really a last boss in Control. So you re- there's just a whole bunch of enemies. Um, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I liked it. I, I don't think I'd really recommend it to anybody else other than Remedy fans. I'd wait for a sale. Um, it's kind of like... Like, compared... Now that I've actually played Gears, I kind of like... Even before I played Gears... I was kind of thinking, like, you can get Gears 5 for $10 for a month. It's got several multiplayer modes and different experiences, a map editor, and a campaign that we now know is at least 10 to 12 hours long for a quick run-through. And when you compare that to $60 of control, I don't see... If you're deciding between one or the other, I can't... I I just wouldn't be able to factor control in, personally. Well, Al Anapino, he says, uh, Control looks good, so do we need to play this now or wait till Xbox Game Pass gets it? I don't think you need to play it now. Like, Remedy fans will like it. If you like Alan Wake and you like Quantum Break, you'll like Control. I mean, there are good things about the game. Chapter 9, by the way, is freaking amazing. It's one of those levels that if, if, if the whole entire game was like this, it'd be a 10 out of 10. It'd be one of the coolest games ever made and i would love whoever was in charge of chapter nine put him in charge of your other game because it was that well done uh and i don't want to spoil it for anybody but um oh man it was so good you you know it kind of reminded me of the like airport scene level in max Payne 3 oh nice i know i know the one you mean yeah like so well done um yeah, so like I don't know, I like I Remedy just kind of needs they, they they just need to have something where everything comes together. The gameplay, the story, the world, the character. Because honestly, I think the character drags this one down a lot. Like the gameplay is great and the powers are really cool. The world is fascinating, but like the main character, she's not that interesting. Mm. So it's kind of it, and once you get over the uniqueness of the world, it's kind of like, eh, I don't really, uh, it, uh, you know, I just want to finish it. And then I'm, I'm not going to talk about the ending, but yeah. And then the other game I played, um, Man of Badan, which I finished last night. It's four hours long. Four hours? Yeah. It's, um, Is that full price? No, it's 30 bucks. Oh, okay. Thank God. <laughs> so, um, you ever play Until Dawn? Nope. It's it's basically a Telltale game. It's a more AAA, high-budgeted Telltale game. A lot of conversations uh, that you have to choose dialogue mm-hmm. to. 
a lot of what's quick the pre- time what's events. the what's the plot premise the plot premise so death is talking to you he's called the curator and he's telling you the story and that you're in charge of what's going on to these people essentially the hmm. plot is there's five uh characters uh two brothers uh the brother's girlfriend and her brother and then this pilot of this boat you basically go out there to find a shipwreck and you stumble across this 1947 world war ii u.s freighter that is abandoned but has like ghosts inside of it and spooky things happen and any one of your characters can die at any single time uh, hmm. Luckily, I was able to keep all my characters alive. Uh, it's not as good as Until Dawn, though, at all. Like, Until Dawn hmm. was fantastic. And this is nowhere near as good as that. Mainly because I don't think the character... It, it, once again, for a lot of this, it comes down to characters. I don't think the characters uh, in in, 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 in Man of Badan were as good as the characters in Until Dawn. And that might hmm. be... Hey, it's one of those things where it's like the game's only four hours long, so you don't give them a lot of time. You don't really get to like know the characters and get invested in what they're going through and stuff like that. But I mean, it plays just like Until Dawn. You have small sections where you can only really walk in one direction. One direction. You pick up collectibles. You do quick time events when you know, like you gotta like hop over a hole or somebody's chasing you, and if you press the wrong button, you might actually fall and die. Um, but. I don't know. I mean, it's 30 bucks. If you like Until Dawn, get it. If you don't, I would probably wait until it's on. I have a feeling this game's going to go on sale pretty fast. Like, pretty fast. And um, mm. I got Blair Witch downloading. Can't wait for... I'm going to be playing that uh, probably tonight. Um, I'm just I'm just really getting back. Like, last couple weeks, just been waiting for these games. Now the games are here, and I've already beat two of them. Uh, now I'm just waiting to play Blair Witch and Gears 5 and Borderlands 3. I'm good, man. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm loving gaming right now, man. Yeah, man. I'm like... I'm... You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago having the gaming funk. I am gaming reinvigorated now. Gaming invigorated. Hello? Yes, I'm listening. Oh. That was it. Oh. I thought you Podcast were gonna. T- over. I thought you were gonna Bye, tell bro. me. I thought you were gonna tell me why you're gaming invigorated. And you know what? I see. Uh, I see everybody in chat. I see DJ Singh and Crispy Bomb and Saltiest Gamer and all the usuals. We appreciate you being here. Sorry if any there's any audio issues or echo. Like I don't know. Sometimes when I start streaming this, like I don't know if my internet is just having issues at this time of day or if it's my connection to Discord or something. We'll figure it out. Maybe Jazz streams to my YouTube channel or something. I'm sorry for any of the technical difficulties. Uh, yeah, but... well, um, I got some things you can try, but you know, man, you talked about what you played this week. Have you played anything else beyond those, really? Um, No, that's it. I mean, like, I just I knocked out Control right away, and then I went right to Man of Madon. So. Awesome. I'm probably going to skip both of those, yeah. sadly. Well, it's because you've been playing Gears 5. Lucky son of a gun. You got to go yeah. out. Listen, look at Jez. Jez is all important press. He gets yeah, the, uh, what do they call it? <laughs> the, um, 
the royal treatment, a special hand-delivered invitation to visit the coalition in Vancouver from Rod Ferguson himself. Comes over, gets on a one <laughs> knee and was it. like, Jez, the coalition requests. No, nay demands your presence to try out Gears 5, sir. And Jez is like, um, I'll, I, I could think I could fit it into my busy schedule, right? <laughs> Isn't that how that all went down? Uh, yeah, let, let's say something like that. Um, but in any case, I did indeed go to Vancouver in Canada. First time in Canada. Lovely country. Beautiful, clean, fresh air. The first thing you notice in Vancouver, if you're from somewhere like England, is how clean and fresh the air is there. Like huge mountains in the distance and otters swimming in the river. Like the only thing you see swimming in the river in London is like like broken glass and trolleys that have been thrown in there. You might even get a car, bits of a car or two rusted floating around in there. But, you know, like beautiful, beautiful place and clearly very inspirational because, you know, Gears 5's art direction is pretty damn special. And I tell you, Rand, I played all day on Tuesday, Gears 5. I played campaign for about four hours. I played horde mode for about two hours okay. um, as Jack the robot in horde mode, which is hilarious, by the way. Have you seen any of those gifs floating around uh, of like uh, Kate on the skiff in that like red desert? You, that that I played art that direction I looks played so that insane, dude. Dude, I tell you something, right? On that desert level, which is like I can't remember if it's Act Three or Act Four or something like that, but basically they let us play part of Act Two and then part of a later act, so we didn't get to see the start of the game and like there was huge time gaps between two segments so like in terms of story context i didn't really have a huge amount to go on and um the way they start you off in act two and you miss some pretty huge context which i now have from act one since i have the review copy now i played through act one as well now and um oh my god man like speaking of the sand like there were the game was trying to give me a tutorial about how to use the mind jack, which is Jack the robot's new ability, which lets them, you can mind control an enemy and turn it onto your side. Um, and the game was trying to give me a tutorial about that, but I was too busy around playing in the sand because they've got like full blown 3d tessellation for the, like the sand and for the snow and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this sand. And I was like running around, kicking it around, and it glistens in the sunlight. Do you remember when like everyone was really hyped for Sea of Thieves sand because it had like reflections and stuff like that? I remember. I remember you thought Sea of Thieves was gonna be PUBG PUBG twenty eighteen, remember? <laughs> the tweet that I don't remember will that. never what are you talking about? ever li- you know, I've actually seen people I, I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. Listen, what you know you, what's what funny? Before before I get into it, I gotta shout out Gunstar for the super chat. He says, "I love beer and love you all. We both appreciate it." Michael Store for the super chat as well as uh, Michael Store again. Have either of you guys played Soma? Love you guys. I played Soma. I love it. I recommend uh, you check it out whenever you get the chance. Well, Soma's in my backlog of shame. But I really want to play. The thing I want to bring up about your tweet about how Sea of Thieves is going to be 20, PUBG's twenty eighteen. The thing is, the internet never forgets. And it never forgives. Our favorite place on the internet, especially your favorite place, 
the one and only never gets things accurate either. The one and only reset era, right? <sighs> so you they they obviously had a thread with all the you know the Gears Five campaign previews because you wrote one and, and I think uh, Ars Technia wrote one and Gamespot wrote one and a few other websites wrote one, right? But people were just dismissing yours strictly based off the one tweet you made about Sea of Thieves and PUBG. Like, oh, I don't care what Jez said about this game because he made this tweet two years ago or whatever it was. And I just always think to myself, that is the dumbest shit ever. But then again, it's Reset Era, so what are you going to do? I I literally couldn't care less. Like, thousands of people read my preview and I got loads of really nice compliments and stuff like that, so... I literally do not care what a bunch of fanboys and some awful, terrible forum think. But on the plus side, Rand, unlike Sea of Thieves, where I didn't really know how much of the game I was playing, I actually know full well how much of the game I was playing with Gears 5. Like I say, played four hours of the campaign. Okay. So you gotta set it up. My God. What was it like? What was it like for you stepping into the coalition for the first time? Like, this is your first time at the studio, right? Yeah, like I've never been. Obviously, I've never been to the coalition because I've never been to Canada before. But Ooh. the coalition is like, it was, it was like gorgeous inside. You know, they got like all the, the things that celebrate gears. They've got like a huge wall with all the, you know, the gears merchandise from across the years and stuff like that. They have a huge, a huge 4K HDR TV that they had. They had to lift into the studio via a crane because they couldn't get it through the door or something. And <laughs> so, like, it, it's a pretty high-tech sort of place. And, um, I mean, God, I don't even know where to start, man. Right. So, for, for, I'll start from the beginning, right? Okay. We we got dumped straight into Act 2, which skips Act 1. And I'm not going to talk about Act 1, because I don't think I'm allowed to. But Act 2, I can talk about, because I played it, and that was part of my embargo from last week. So, Act 2 pretty much starts off from that trailer from E3 2018. Right, where, where, where somebody's dead and Kate's like, oh my god, and, and, and they want her to leave, but then Marcus is like, no, like, right? That that trailer from 2018? Yes. Okay, so... That, so, like, that's, like, it's a bit different now, too. Like, they've enhanced some of the graphics, changed some of the outfits, and upgraded some of the armor, and, and stuff like that. Like, they've polished it up since that trailer. And um, I'm not going to tell you who's dead, because it's, you know, it's an important plot point. But, like, basically, um, loads of stuff happens in Act 1, which I can't spoil, which sort of... And then there's like a time gap. There's like several months later. So unlike other Gears games, this Gears game takes place over several months, whereas the other Gears games tend to take place over a few days or something like that. So there's like a, hu there's a huge gap between Act 1 and Act 2 in terms of time. And um, so many things has happened. Like before, like Kate is an out Kate and Dale were outsiders and now they're like full blown in the cog army and JD's in the cog army giving armor orders and there's all stuff like that. All that sort of stuff like starts getting explained and you get like more context about why the world's the way it is, how like how bad things are getting with the swarm and you even get like an idea of like what the uh, what humanity is what humanity looks like, like the recovering recovering humanity where the government is and the cities being rebuilt and stuff like that it's actually really cool to see because like in the earlier gears games everything is just sort of like in ruins because it's like from emergence day onwards right so it's cool to see like more of the gears universe starting to get more fleshed out and that's one of the things that i really noticed first 
was that the amount of world building going into Gears 5 seems like it seems like a step above from a previous Gears game. It feels like more budget has been thrown at building up the world and stuff like that. Like it was always sort of there in the background in the previous games, but it's like it's really in your face in this one. Well, you you were telling me in uh in the DMs when we were talking about some of this stuff. You you said that there's attention to detail and care in Gears 5 that you have never seen from any of Microsoft's other games. And that well, if this is like the standard going forward, then now you are really excited for what they're going to do, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, we talked on previous podcasts about, like, this sort of fear that Microsoft uses telemetry to the point where they're like, oh, well, nobody gets collectibles. Let's not bother adding them. Or nobody looks at this extra stuff, so let's not bother adding them. But like what what and the fear was that Microsoft's telemetry was guiding that budget or something, those sort of budget cuts essentially. But as a result, you lose this sort of ambience that anchors you in the game's world and increases immersion. Gears five feels a lot more contemporary, like like a, a normal game. Like it it feel it just felt like more than an Xbox Game Studios game. Like it's more than what we expect from them, you know. It's like all these all these world building stuff and like when you're walking around like some of the NPC villages and stuff, there are like NPCs talking and they're giving you more context about the world. Like there are NPCs that are talking that you wouldn't even see really unless you went looking for them. So like for people who want that sort of A to B gears game, that's still there. But for someone who wants more and wants to get more invested in the world, this game has more stuff in it than previous gears. Gears games by a mile, like the amount of interaction and stuff that I've seen in just in the five five hours that I've played so far, it just felt it just feels like a richer world, man. So like beyond that, I want to like clear up some of the the some of the thinking about what open world means for gears. It's like it's not truly open world. It's not like so. Don't think of it like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or something like that. It's more like wide linear so it's more like your metro exodus sort of thing it's more like you have set linear levels that are more traditional gears and they connect you to a sort of wider area which might have side quests in it which might have these new relic weapons in them which are like modified guns with like extra stuff attached to them like earlier i found a retro lancer which fired explosive rounds which was just crazy, like a fully automatic. Right, and, the, and those are called like relic machine. weapons, right? Like kind of Easter egg we- yeah. weapons that you can find. Because I was reading one in your article that said like there's a sniper rifle that you can get that chambers two sniper rounds and instead of yeah. one. And you can yeah, that you, was like you can bring those with you, right? Like so you can if you find them, as long as you don't drop them, you can you you have them, right? Yeah. So like the skiff has two storage compartments on it for weapons. So, like, you can put, like, your relic weapons onto the skiff so you don't lose them as you travel through the game. And that's another another cool thing about this Gears is, like, you don't... Your weapons persist through levels and persist through, like, doors and stuff like that. I remember in some of the older Gears games, like, if you had a heavy... If you, had, if you were carrying, like, a mulcher and you had to crawl under something, you'd drop the mulcher and you'd lose it. Well, you don't... That doesn't happen anymore. Like, your weapons persist through your levels. So, like, if you find, like that sniper rifle with the double chamber bullets or the explosive retro lancer, which I just found, or um, there was this badass Boltok that I found, which was like, 
It was super accurate firing from the hip, and it felt like like a cowboy gunslinger bolt off. It was just just sick, man. But like obviously they they still require special ammo, and um. Like, if you run out of Boltok bullets, you won't be able to use the Boltok relic weapon anymore. So you just store it on the skiff to use when you, you know, do want to find more ammo and stuff like that. Oh, and also there's, like, um, there's explosive ammo packs now as well. So, like, in addition to the regular ammo kits, which give you bullets for, like, your, your long shot or your lancer and stuff like that, there's also explosive ammo kits, which gives you uh, ammo for, like, the boomer, the boom shot and... Um, and the drop shot and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm getting the names right. right. I can never remember the names of some of those weapons. But but hey, we got um, we got a ton of people here. And if you appreciate guys dropping all this info about Gears Five, make sure you hit that like button. We've got 75 likes so far. Let's get that up yeah. to like I don't know 200 at some point. And share this mother out on uh, Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Uh, so oh, I got yeah. a question for you. I, I I saw some of the footage that kind of leaked out. Um, is th- do you think the like I know you you explain the open world as metro like like a, kind of an open world hub that you can explore and check out some things is it populated though like it's not completely barren right like you go somewhere see something and there there might be like an enemy patrol or something it's not just well, kind of like empty space just for empty space sake is it well like I was like I always thought recore for example chose deserts because they're they could get away with making it sparse and low budget. Because they'd be like, oh, well, it's a desert. But really, it's more like you've chosen that format because it gives you an excuse to make it sparse, right? The thing about the Gears open world segments is they're not, they're not massive, massive, massive. They're just sort of very wide. And they're very densely packed with things to look at. I haven't seen any enemy patrols as such. But I've seen like lots of like enemy outposts and I've seen lots of um, little camps you can explore. And the thing, the coalition has paid a lot of attention to detail here because switching to open world arbitrarily could have led to a sense of losing that cinematic sort of structured gameplay, which Gears is known for, right? But what they've done is they've packed it very densely together. So Kate and Dell are always talking. Like whenever you come up on a vista, they'll say something. Whenever you go to an outpost, they'll make a remark or something. Like where, where I've stopped playing just now, I just found um, a mine shaft. And then Kate starts reminiscing about her youth when she used to raid uh, cog mines as an outsider to, you know, get explosives and ammo and stuff like that. And the fact that they're always talking keeps you in that cinematic mindset that the game is still gears and it is still cinematic and it's not just this open world for the sake of it open world you know so i think like they've done a really good job of keeping it dense and keeping it cinematic and it doesn't feel like they've gone full-blown over an open world game now because there are still lots of this isn't assassin's creed odyssey right let's like make sure people know that this isn't a truly open world game it's kind of just wide linear like a like a Tomb Raider yeah. game or a Metro game, so yeah, it's wide linear. It's it, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider, and Metro are probably the best comparison, but it's still like, it's still like, um, you know, it's still like I say, densely packed. And one of the one of the cool things they've they've done to, one of the cool things they had to do, to sort of accommodate open world gameplay is sort of they've had to give NPCs awareness because in the other Gears games, which are very structured. The enemies come in and they know you're there because they're part of they're part of the structure of the level, right? So now 
the open world is more like you initiate combat. You have to like um you can choose to like stealth to the target basically and do a bunch of executions before you actually aggro the mobs. Right, because, because one of the... Jack's abilities is a stealth field. Because one of the biggest I'm not gonna say issues, but problems with previous gears was as soon as you initiated combat Literally everybody knew where you were, right? Like yes. all the enemies always knew where you were. But in this one, you can stealthily take out enemies. You can use Jack, who I mean, you're gonna have to explain a little bit more about Jack here because he's the he's the third character. He you can play him in co-op for like you know it's supposed to be like a for a newbie character, like somebody who's never played Gears before. But he has a bunch yeah. of different like presets. You can set him to what, like stealth or attack or support, and he'll do a bunch of different things depending on uh, what you're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah. So like that's like so that's gears flirting with open world gameplay, right? You've got the skiff. You can load weapons on it, and you can explore out in the world and the side quests to do and that sort of thing. But the other thing they're sort of flirting with is this RPG layer. And what what they said to me was. It didn't make sense to have levels or an upgradable character for now, at least. And what we thought was we'd have Jack, who is a robot, who we c you can bolt things onto and improve him and change the way he plays. And so Jack is like a third playable character for three-player co-op. Um, so a, friend, a third friend can control Jack. And what Jack gives you is all sorts of tools. He can't actually, he can't actually shoot. But what he can do is he can like zap with like a stunning laser, which is on like a cooldown. He can also like do like uh, he can drop stun grenades. He can fly around with a little crane arm and pick up weapons and ammo for you. And as such, um, wet ammo feels a little bit more sparse in this Gears of War because it, the game wants you to uh, scavenge for ammo using Jack's uh, crane arm to go and pick it up and bring it to you, and it works really well. I think like there's some things that could probably improve like sort of um making making you a little bit more aware of what jack's currently doing because sometimes it, it's hard to tell if he actually registered the command properly but um other than that it was it was such an awesome evolution for the game and also the fact that he's completely upgradable and that also gives you an extra reason to explore because you have to go out in the world and find those upgrades and find the points to um you know enhance jack's abilities so like one of the one of the things that you get as a reward for doing one of those side quests and some of the some of the ultimate tier abilities are part of the side quest you can upgrade the flash grenade to a ice grenade so like instead of flashing the targets it freezes them all and then you could shatter them and run around hitting them and they shatter into bits of glass and stuff like that it's so cool and it kind of like i tell you it it plays like playing an infiltrator in mass effect because like in Mass Effect, you have like all the tech abilities and stuff like that. And that's what you upgrade if you're playing a Mass Effect Infiltrator. I think it's called the Infiltrator, or is it the Engineer? Okay. No, it's the Engineer, right? Yeah, because I was a little bit confused yeah, when you engineer. told me that, you, you originally told me, you're like, man, this is really Mass Effect-y. See, when I think of Mass Effect, I think of like dialogue choices and stuff like that. But that's not that's not what you were like referring to. So. Oh, no, no, no. I was referring to like, I was referring to playing a mass effect engineer because they get the little drones which fly around and and do stuff for you right, right and that's yeah. how it if you are playing single player and there's no one controlling jack you control jack yourself with the left trigger which makes it feel like using abilities as a mass effect engineer 
freezing enemies, setting them on fire or, or flashing them and or, or stunning them and doing all those support things that you couldn't really do in Gears before. And the fact that um the fact that like they've put the RPG mechanics onto Jack kind of like it, again it keeps gears grounded in its identity you know right and you find upgrades for jack in the open world so it gives you, you a find them to off explore the beaten path. yeah so like that can be anywhere that can be off the beaten path there's like little puzzles to solve sometimes there's like uh you can um unlock uh, you can use Jack to unlock things if you can if you see them out in the world. Sometimes they're hidden, and you can like target you can target them with the right trigger, and then press X, and Jack will go off and fly and unlock them or unlock safes for you. And sometimes there'll be like upgrade parts in there, but some of the more powerful upgrades, like the ice grenade thing I was talking about, you have to actually you have to actually do side quests to find them. And like one of the quests I'm doing right now is like trying to hunt down a schematic. Which will upgrade Jack's uh, flash grenade to an ice grenade, right. which um, completely cha- completely changes the style of that play, right? And um, the flash grenade's good, you know, it blinds enemies and makes them move out of cover, holding their eyes and stuff. But it'd be way more interesting if I could actually freeze them, because then, like, when I blow them up, that changes the way that plays. And one of the weapons actually is like a freeze freeze gun. I can't remember what it's called now. It's called like the the cryo launcher or something it like it's like a heavy weapon that sprays like um liquid nitrogen all over everything and then you can just run up and tap them like the liquid terminator and they'll just shatter into bits it's hilarious man right so and fabio diaz i'm just gonna answer this for this really quickly he says so no footage just people talking well i mean this is a podcast that we do weekly and uh jez was at the coalition he got to play the campaign so he's recounting his experience and basically telling us how gears has changed the reason there's no footage is because well the footage is embargoed until next week anyways so you wouldn't be yes, able to see will, um... any single player footage because you're not supposed yeah. to upload it um yes so i will i do have tons of single player footage which i will be uploading next week yeah. um i might even i might even drop you some of that right maybe if you're lucky. So Gunstar, he, he goes, Jez, if you had to score so far, what would you? See, I wouldn't. He, I wouldn't he, score he, it. He can't score it anyways because he's not allowed to right now. Uh, I even know that, and I don't even need to see the NDA. Um, yeah, I would, I, even if I could score it, I wouldn't because, like, like um, you know, I've only played five hours of it, and the the campaign is supposedly twelve hours for uh you know, a normal run through and about 20 hours for doing a completionist run through. And, you know, five, it's like we were talking about control earlier and how like it sort of loses, loses something towards the end. And so did quantum break to some degree. Like, and I don't think this will be the case with gears, but like, it could all fall apart. I could get to like well, the third act and it could just be terrible. Well, part of it is because the story wasn't that good and Jesse's not that good of a character and the combat kind of became a cycle of shoot gun, throw projectile with telekinesis, dodge, rinse and repeat. And if you don't really notice it too much because you're having a lot of fun, like screwing around with the powers. But at the end, when it's just wave of enemies, it really becomes apparent. And you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I kind of want this to be over like God of war, which is another thing you could not do the side missions, beat the game and, you know, a lot less time. 
but because they kept it fresh with all the story beats and the great like acting and all that stuff, it like never became a bore. Um, but so hopefully gears is the same thing. Like hopefully like, yeah, you know, it's just like, you want to continue on to, to see how the story is going to progress and the characters are well written. So you're always really engaged with it, which I think is the problem with control. But Elemento Pino, he, he, uh, he wants to know, how would you classify who this game is for? Does it have that mass appeal even if you don't know what Gears is? Because this game is, you know, I read Ars Technia's preview. They said that this is the big blockbuster game for Game Pass. Like, th- the game that everybody should 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 try, you know, because because of the easy accessibility. So, um... Well, one of, one of the narratives they were trying to push at the Coalition was, this is the most... Um, approachable gears ever and the idea there's like multiple ways they're trying to capitalize on the fact that it's in game pass so you can play gears and all these modes for just ten dollars playing it in in one month and um, as such what they've done is they've added uh, videos which detail the previous games so you don't have to play them i've also added this previously on gears if you haven't played it and it goes through gears 4 and explains that there's this boot camp mode which we saw in the tech test which sort of trains you on the basics of playing gears of war and stuff like that and also you've got jack who's like more simple to play so like if you want to play with a friend who's unfamiliar to gears you can just you know have them play jack you know if you fancy it and uh, they can feel like they're contributing to the game. And, you know, I played Jack in Horde mode for about 90 minutes. And I will say that playing as Jack is not as interesting as playing as a, a typical character for me personally, because I like getting headshots and I like, you know, using my chainsaw and stuff like that. But, like, for someone who might just be breaking into gears for the first time, Jack's a really good option to sort of get a. A handle on sort of how things work in the gears sort of format so i think this is like easily the most approachable gears if for no reason other than game pass you know and i think like instead previous gears they have a lot of negative space where like you don't know what they're really going on a lot of the time like they talk about things like the pendulum wars and it's like what is the pendulum wars and like like uh marcus phoenix a carmine Carmine talks to Marcus Phoenix and says, like, oh, you're the, the hero of the Battle of Ashrofields. And, like, it's like, what the hell is Ashrofields and stuff like that? Like, Gears 5 feels like it's got less less in it that is disorienting in, from a sort of narrative perspective. It's very much about what's going on right then and there with those specific characters. And sure, it, like, it recaps what happened in Gears 4, but at the same time, it feels very fleshed out in its own right, you know? So... I think like this has the potential to have the broadest appeal for Gears of War. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. And it's like Rod Rod Ferguson told me, he said there are there are hard limits on how much appeal Gears of War can have because it's a mature rated game. And that that cuts out a whole huge portion of the audience, you know? Yeah. I mean, because uh, I see a couple questions. Like, Jackie, I figured I'd ask this to you. He says, I want to know, does Gears 5 campaign play differently from the Gears before it? I mean, we already kind of, uh, <laughs> that this whole podcast is kind of dedicated. Like, I think, all right, I haven't played Gears 5 yet, but I can tell you, Gears 5 is probably going to play just like the Gears before it. It is a third-person uh, cover-based shooter. It probably plays just like Gears 4, but what changes is everything surrounding it. No longer is it strictly 
just a linear corridor shooter. Now you had now you add uh, wide linear levels with exploration upgrades for uh, your bot friend who can actually do a whole bunch of different stuff. I mean, right, Jazz? I mean, don't get don't, don't get it twisted. Am I right in saying that? Like, Gears Five plays like Gears Four. It's still the same third I mean, person shooter like, it's always been, right? If you want, if you want to play it like Gears Four or Gears Three, you don't even have to use Jack. You can just like you can put him on like passive abilities, like running around resurrecting you, or or you just using his uh, laser gun and stuff like that, or just treat him like a grenade. You know, you can use him that way, but you can also use him very strategically, like placing traps, using the stealth fields, and uh, and on that sort of thing. And that's like. It's about player choice, right? And that's something that Gears hasn't really had before, is this sort of notion of choosing your playstyle. Like, they only, like they said to me, like, the only choice we had in previous Gears games was choosing what gun you used. And then oftentimes you'd run out of ammo and you wouldn't even be able to use that gun anymore. Well, now it's like you can stick with the boom shot for a long time because there are, there are, there are explosive ammo crates around to find and stuff like that. And you can customize Jack's playstyle and you can choose whether you undertake these side missions or not and stuff like that you can choose to dive deeper into the lore and fully upgrade jack and that sort of thing so it just feels like more contemporary because older gears games weren't like that and modern games do give players more of a choice because having a choice puts yourself into the game it's like i've invested in choosing to play this way and that makes it more immersive and thus more enjoyable in a way and that's what Gears always lacked, I think, was that element of choice. So on that basis, it plays differently. But if you still want a Gears, classic Gears experience, you can just ignore all that stuff. You can just you can go straight from A to B. You can not use Jack. You can disable some of the stuff, the UI elements and stuff like that. Like if you're a purist and you want that experience, then yeah, you can you can play it either way. And it's about choice, right? Woo! Jeez. But um there you go. I'll say like I'm gonna answer some some of the other questions people asked. Like someone was asked, did I play it on PC or Xbox? I played it on Xbox One X, and um, it's absolutely stunning. Like I can't believe how beautiful it is, and like 60 frames as well, like in the campaign. And it's 1080p 30 on the S, but 4K 60 on the X, and like I didn't see any major performance problems. Like, I had issues in this one single place, and I think that was just something to do with a light a light source being, like, overly high definition or something like that. But, like, the rest of the game has just been absolutely stunningly smooth. And I think, like, it's wizardry that they managed to pull this off, you know. It really is wizardry. And I already talked about the sand and the snow effects. Like, they look really cool, too, and... The interiors are super detailed and full of things to explore and things off the beaten path. And man, I'm just talking myself into wanting to go back and play it. I might yeah. just put it on right now and play it right now. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to do that because you'll get dis- distracted <laughs> by it. Um, so let's see. Um, do you know how many acts there are in the game? I do, but I don't know if I can say. Oh, you don't know if you can say. Okay. Um, so you've but it, seen, but it's like it's. They said to me twelve hours on normal difficulty for for an A to B playthrough, and then twenty plus for a completionist playthrough, 
and oh. higher if you're playing on insane and stuff like that. Yeah, and they recommend and, returning players should play at least on hardcore, right? Yeah, they recommend. Yeah, they recommend returning players should play on hard mode. And um, nine live says Jez doesn't use ray tracing. It does use DirectX ray tracing even on the Xbox One X and S. But I think it's like it's very limited to certain scenes. It's like it's not like every area has fully reflective surfaces and shadows. It's like they use it very cleverly in certain set pieces and uh, certain areas. Like I was going through a cave earlier, which seemed to have like reflective ice and stuff like that. Like hard to tell, you know, but it looked stunning. And they told us uh, that they were using it for things like distant shadows, which weren't as intensive. And they were putting a lot of those calculations on the GPU rather than the CPU. Um, and they're, they're just sort of experimenting with it because Microsoft DirectX ray tracing is actually the basis for all ray tracing. I don't know if people knew this, but RTX is based, like NVIDIA's ray tracing is based on DirectX ray tracing, which Microsoft made. So like if that sort of, it sort of offers a glimpse into what Scarlet will be like when Microsoft has rumored to have hardware accelerated DirectX ray tracing. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gears 5 gets a Scarlet mode in the future, if they're already implementing it now. Um, you mean like, do a, you have like anything... an update for Scarlet, you mean? like? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, of course they will. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, there's, there's an extreme settings texture pack for the Steam version you can download. So, like, they're clearly thinking about this sort of stuff. If like if P if they offer like extreme settings for PC, I imagine in the future we might get some of that on Scarlet if it's powerful enough. Do you have anything? Connor James says, "Do you have anything to say about enemies or bosses? Are they much bigger and better than Gears 4?" Now, I haven't played that far through the game yet, but like, oh man, I don't know if I don't know if I should t tease this or not because I don't want it to be a spoiler. But I will say that they've teased huge enemies and huge bosses to me. Like, I, I, man, I don't want to say. I don't want to well, say because like, have you fought one of those uh, wardens, the guys with the two clubs, right? Yeah. Okay. So you've how, seen how the are wardens. those fights because in like the Dude. horde mode they have a health bar. Are they are they kind of tough like the berserker fights? Or is it even more intense than that? Like, how do those play out? Right. So like, you have to you have to treat the wardens like like they're melee. Like there are a melee mob, you have to stay away from them because if they get if they get close to you, they will one shot you on hard difficulty. They will one shot you, so like you have to like stay out of their way. And they do move pretty slow, but they also do like these dashes and these like ranged ground pound attacks, kind of like um, Reinhardt's ultimate in Overwatch. Like they slam the ground and and, and hit you and stuff. And um, but it is pretty easy to keep them keep them away. But they have like emulsion crystals embedded all out all throughout their body, so they're they're invincible to bullet fire. You have to shoot them in the head. You have to hit them in the head. And they're also they also wear a helmet to start with. So first you have to destroy the helmet, and then you have to like unload like three clips into their face. And they're and, all, and like by the end like all this flesh and bones is like tearing off their face and stuff like that. And then like you know then they go down but they, they are pretty tough to deal with like i am i am concerned about the first time where i come up against two of those because one of them by themselves is pretty hard to deal with there's like there was this one part in act three where you sort of like 
you're sort of in like almost like a horde mode scene where it's sort of that classic gears of war situation where jack's trying to rip a door and you have to stand there and fight for a bit and there's like waves of juvies coming at you and waves of this and waves of that and then it ends with a warden coming and but you're in this really enclosed space and there's not that much not that much space to run away from him and not much room to play with so like you have to start thinking about more tactically then like i'm gonna hit him and hit him and then i'm gonna run this way and do a dodge roll and get out of his way and then run backwards and forwards and stuff like that and man, i died on him like four times on hard difficulty trying to figure out which were the best ways to run around and, and manage that lack of space so they are tough enemies but like there's lots of enemies that i haven't seen yet like i've i fought the flocks which are like these sort of they're sort of like krill 2.0 they sort of fly around like the robots from the Matrix in like these squid-like formations, and then they uh, they spit leeches at you, which dive bomb you and do loads of damage if you don't kick them out of the way. Kind of like the tickers in in Gears Two and Three, um, and they're they're pretty fun to fight, and they look amazing. Like like all these dynamic leeches swarming around, like fully three D. It's it's like crazy crazy cool. Um, one of the relic weapons I got, you had to fight two of those flocks, one after the other, to get it. And, um, you know, <sighs> it was awesome. But there are loads of, there's loads of enemies I haven't seen yet. I fought Swarmak, which was sort of like a mini boss. But, like, I'm only on, I've only done Act 2 and part of Act 3. And there's, like, there's way more acts than that. So I'm expecting, like, some, there's been some foreboding. I'll say about gigantic enemies that are on the way. So I don't know. So what about the horror elements? Are they like are the horror elements back into this one, like kind of the first game? Pardon, sorry. Horror elements. You know, like there was like some horror oh, yeah. elements to the horror first elements. game, uh, and they, they kind yeah, of so... they went away from that. So are there are a lot of horror theme stuff going on here, like. Yeah, there's like, um, they actually treat horror more, there's actually some really cool horror elements that they've done to make this, you know, feel a bit more advanced. One of the cool things about the horror segment, and there are some really spooky segments that are like in complete darkness with HDR lighting, is the fact the torch, the torch comes from Jack, and Jack flies around, and you can't control him directly, so the light is always slightly behind you and as such it sort of it creates these shadows that are constantly moving around and stuff like that it's super spooky and uh the music too is really awesome although there hasn't been any, like any jump scares or anything like that it's not like pure horror like resident evil it's just like really atmospheric sort of horror that's like it's oh and as well man the rejects yeah these so... sort of like infected DBs yeah, the are basically DBs. the gear zombies now. So how do the how does those play out? Are they are like all right? One of my biggest complaints about Gears Four, and I think a lot of people, was that the first two acts weren't very good because fighting the DBs, those robots, wasn't very interesting, and it just wasn't satisfying to chainsaw those enemies and get headshots. I thought they were horrible characters, but I understand why they're there because they kind of needed an enemy to introduce to get people back in the flow before you introduce the swarm, right? So the rejects, like uh, the swarm is taking over the DBs. 
are are do you, is it still the same thing from like Gears Four? Do you hate fighting them? Do they change enough change it up enough where like hey, uh, these are cool enemies to fight now? Like how does that all work out? So yeah, like one of the things that bugged me about fighting the DBs was that they were just they were just super mechanical you know they weren't fleshy and like they weren't satisfying to rip apart and stuff like that at least that's how i felt about it but because of the way it's quite clever the way they've done it these like these flocks these swarms of leeches they've sort of figured out a way to usurp uh baird's technology so like all the dbs are made by you know baird and um the, it's like they've evolved to counteract the DBs because Baird's DBs were basically what was keeping the um, keeping them keeping the swarm at bay all for the past like few years or months or whatever it is. So like they they've figured out a way around them, and as such, when they swarm onto a DB, they convert it and they they join into the um, they join into the uh, the swarm hive mind and stuff like that um and when they do they're sort of like shambling zombie type enemies and like they they just run after you and try to melee and stuff like that but they also like they exist in this sort of disabled mode a lot of the time and they only aggro if they see you with their like cameras and stuff and their hearing isn't so great compared to like a low um a swarm monster so you can often just get up behind them and like rip the batteries out and stuff like that and um and beyond the the regular rejects there's also these new i mean there's there's going to be even more i think but i haven't seen them yet but like you know the the larger dbs the like the heavies i don't know what they're called yeah. but they're called the d1s or something those sort of larger dbs when they get swarmed and they get taken over they um they become like living turrets and they sort of like they can cling to ceilings and they sort of walk on three limbs and they're just like these fleshy, tanky sort of turrets. And they are absolutely grotesque and disgusting. And it finally makes the DBs fun to fight. Because when when you blow them apart or chainsaw them or something, they have like that sort of fleshy experience. And also they're they're just really creepy the way they move and stuff like that. Um, it makes them way more interesting than just the regular DBs. Uh, M- M1 Kenneth wants to know what about the music? Is it copyrighted? Any Billy Elliot songs like the one in the E3 trailer? I don't think so. I haven't heard any copyright mu- music. It's it it just seems like they've just done an original score, and from what I've heard so far, it's been absolutely awesome. Like some of the some of the noteworthy music is like there's this sort of like depressing, homey sort of music in one of the villages you go to from the outsiders and stuff where people are basically clinging to the edge of existence and sort of scavenging for parts and desperately fishing alien fish out of the water and uh, you know barely surviving and it's like this really depressing music and it's like it, it just sort of like felt almost unique to gears that they were trying to strike these different sort of tones throughout the game and also um Going into basements with spooky music and using spooky. Jack's light. Yeah, spooky. So, spooky. Right. How do you feel about the onus or the central character being Kate this time in her journey? Because JD is a side character. Are you like, are you in, how is that handled? Like her mental anguish about like 
being uh, connected to the the swarm. How's that playing out so far? Is it is it so compelling? Like, it it is super compelling, and I haven't experienced too much of it yet because like, and again, no spoilers, but you actually don't play as Kate to start with. Um, so like, it sort of evolves more into Kate's story a little later on. Um, and uh, as such, it's all about like Kate experiencing these headaches and Kate experiencing these like sort of almost like these dark visions trying to make her paranoid and trying to drive her to despair and stuff like that. And um, she hears these dark whispers from a character like I don't even know who it is yet, but I wouldn't say anyway because it's spoilers. But clearly like there's more there's more to the swarm than meets the eye you know they they are controlled by a hive mind similarly to the locust so like it does seem like you know it's that that mystery around kate is driving me forward right now like the and act two which i played it's basically like you saw the the trailer from e3 2018 kate goes off on her own she disobeys some orders and she goes off on her own to find out what's causing these headaches and why she's got this medallion with a locust symbol on it and why it seems like, you know, it was her grandmother's symbol and stuff like that. So Marcus Phoenix suggests that she goes to, um, new hope research facility, which I think is from gears two, if I remember right, you know, with the sires and stuff like that, where the, the origins of the locust and stuff like that, it recommends that she goes there to try and like trace back the, her lineage kind of, and find out more about her grandmother and stuff like that. And that is the that is the mystery that's driving me forward. But it's also like it's not just the story. It's not it's not like the story is carrying the gameplay or the gameplay is carrying the story. It feels really balanced. It feels like I'm enjoying playing the game in terms of a shooter and I'm enjoying experiencing what Kate's going through as a story game too. So like it just feels like every every part is working together and complementing each other. And I can't say too much about the long-term, I don't know, the, the lifespan of the story, because I haven't gotten that far yet. So I'm pretty much just intrigued, I think. That's she's not like, she's not like, um, she's not a stereotype, basically. She's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel forced, is what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't feel like they've forced it over to Kate for the sake of it. Or they're, or they're like, still off JD for the sake of it. You know, it feels like she's like, she just feels legit so, so far. It feels different than like Wolfenstein Youngblood, where you kind of felt forced that they're just like, oh, you're playing as his daughters for no good reason whatsoever, right? Yeah. It like, just it's because... not like that. Thank yeah. God. Thank God it's not like Wolfenstein Youngblood. I know you hated that game, <laughs> didn't you? I did. I did. I, I am offended by that game. I hate that game. So now that now that the <laughs> campaign previews are out there and the length of the game is known, 12 hours if you want to play it on normal and not do the side quest and search around, 20 hours plus if you want to find everything. Like, looking back on it and seeing all the concern people had about the campaign, does it just make you laugh now? Like, what did you make you think the coalition was thinking the whole time when people were like, "Oh, the campaign's five hours long," or the campaign's this well, and that? Like, doesn't it kind of like? It was such a, it was such a microcosm of people saying that they probably didn't, it didn't even register. But 
like I, I said to them, I said, I'm I am someone who is a Gears fan who hasn't really been that excited for Gears 5. Like my whole my whole summer has been consumed by Monster Hunter Iceborne. That's where all my hype has been going. And that's because Capcom has given us so much information about Monster Hunter Iceborne, but we we barely had anything about Gears. And I was kind of like almost like incredulous, like why why did you wait till now, you know, to show off the campaign and stuff? And I think like I don't. I honestly still don't know why they waited so long. They could have like they could have had the whole summer of people being excited for it. Well, yeah, maybe like, it's almost like an experiment or something. Reading your know. preview, talking to you, like your enthusiasm and excitement, like you, I can feel it reading your article. And the same thing from like Press Start Australia and Gamespot and all these things. It's like holy cow, they actually evolved the franchise in a way that was sorely needed. And it sounds like they actually nailed it. And then I think to myself, man, if they did this during E3 and they showed off the campaign and all this stuff, how the conversation would have been different. And people have been looking like, doesn't this seem weird that like the game comes out literally this time next week? We'll all be playing it if you have Ultimate Edition. And now they're finally talking about about the campaign, but you can't even still see the footage of the campaign until like midweek next week. It just seems like so backwards to a certain extent. I like, um, one of the thing, one of the things that really came across when I was talking to Rod Ferguson was they really like, I want to be careful with the fan base and they want to make sure they're doing like right by the fans and stuff all the time. They're always thinking about that. So like, I think like one of the one of the things was they wanted they wanted as much as possible fans to experience it first rather than like present it themselves and then either misrepresent it or over market it and stuff like that. There does seem to have been a lot of anxiety about how that be presented because if you if you if you notice they haven't done their own they haven't done their own gameplay walkthrough of the story mode and I think it's almost like because. I mean, this is just a total assumption, but like, can you really trust an Xbox Game Studio gameplay trailer nowadays? I mean, it's like people are kind of like, it's gotten to the point with Xbox Game Studios where Gears 5 almost represents Xbox Game Studios as a whole, proving itself that Microsoft is willing to, you know, go into those little details. And it does feel a bit like what my name Jeff says in chat. Let the game speak for itself, um, which is why they haven't done any of their own gameplay trailers for the for the campaign walkthrough and stuff like that. I think it's almost like they want to surprise people. They want people to like go in with very little idea about. I think they want people to go in thinking this is just going to be another Gears, and then find something more and over deliver on what that is, you know, because they know they're going to get the engagement through game pass they know they're going to get the engagement so it's all a little bit different and these are just assumptions and ideas but it could just be like just total mess up <laughs> it could just be like well whoops you know but one of the things they said to me was they didn't with gears 4 they didn't expect the level of trust and confidence in the coalition that they received 
which is why they played it super safe with Gears 4. And Rod was saying, in hindsight, maybe we could have pushed some of this, some of these ideas from Gears 5 even earlier into Gears 4, you know. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think, like, you know, you don't have to take my word for it. If you don't, if you don't trust me, because, like, I, I do tend to get overhyped for things. Like, I'm, like, losing sleep over Monster Hunter Iceborne, which is why, like, I'm not covering it that much, because it's gotten to the point where, like, I'm just obsessed with it. Well, if yeah. it would be one thing if you're the yours was the only preview that was really positive, exactly. and everybody else's was like, yeah, no, this is uh still gears, and yeah, I don't really care about it. And there's Jazz over there being like, uh, five out of five, hundred out of a hundred, ten out of ten, greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even speak to any of the journalists or or YouTubers. Or like I, I said hello to some of them, but I don't think anyone likes me. <laughs> nobody likes you, Jazz. No, no one likes me. Mm. But um, but it, it seems like a lot of the other journalists sort of come to the similar conclusions that I did. You know that it, it does feel like the evolution the franchise needs. It does feel like they're being more ambitious, and they're not just they're not just coming to their day job and just maintaining this franchise. Like we've got a formula. This is what Gears of War is. Let's just keep it rolling as much and milking it as much as we can. Like Call of Duty, you know. And Call of Duty's like been the same every year, year in, year out for years, and now like it looks like with mo- the Modern Warfare reboot, is they're sort of maybe looking to evolve it a bit more because they've gotten to the point where they can't milk it anymore. But it's it just feels like that was never the intention with Gears. It feels like they just they've just been careful with it, and now they are innovating. And even though it's, they're not going all out RPG and they're not going all out open world and they're not going all out player choice, it's like they are dipping their toes into it, seeing how fans react. And if people like it and react positively to it, then they'll, it makes me more excited for Gear 6. It makes me more excited for Gear 7 because it means that this is going to be a modern shooter franchise and not just something that's stuck in the past banking on the name forever in perpetuity you know well yeah and, and, they I also think, and rod mentioned in an interview uh you know speaking of like hey if people like the rpg stuff like you mentioned uh they heard loud and clear that people didn't like the horde mode stuff in campaign yes so it's not so, in, so I seen, yeah i haven't seen any of that i haven't seen any of that well he, so he said there's none of it because they heard loud and clear from the fans that nobody liked the horde like stuff in the campaign so it's gone i didn't so I can see like- I can see a scenario where people really dig the open world stuff, and if people dig the light RPG elements, maybe with the next Gears game, if there's a next Gears game, because Rod Ferguson says Phil and Matt don't tell him what to do. They have no creative input. He can make whatever game he wants if it's voted on by the team. Like oh, they can make whatever they'll, they want. They'll make a Gear 6. I'm that, sure they'll make I a swear, Gear Six. Rod, that guy lives and breathes gears like, right but i'm just, just saying he he, he, he he talked you know like he said he can make whatever game he wants uh that phil and like matt don't have any creative input you know blah 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 blah. but if yeah. if people really like that stuff maybe you know in the next game kate and jd have you can have skills that you can equip them with uh, it becomes more rpg like and maybe Gears becomes more of an open world, like assuming if people like it, because they're like, yeah, it's like you said, they're dipping their toes into it, because they're being very careful not to call it open world. They're calling it like yeah. it has open world elements and light RPG elements. They're trying to broaden gears a little bit, you know. So yeah, and it's all it's all optional too. 
It's like you can literally just go from A to B and skip all that stuff if you want to, because they respect they respect where the franchises come from and they respect there may be people who don't want that stuff, you know. But if 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 the if the feedback is unanimous that people like that stuff and they see from their telemetry that a lot of people engage with that stuff, then clearly that's the direction they'll go in. And like they're exploring beyond that format too with Gears Tactics and Gears Pop, and they really are seeing where they can push this franchise while also acknowledging that it's a, it's a hard M, mature rated, violent chainsaw game, you know. It's it's not like it's not like a Halo which can be played by teens and, and, and below. That that hard M restricts a lot of things that you wouldn't even think about. It restricts marketing, it restricts it restricts like all sorts of things, you know. Yeah. Who can play the game. I mean, and who can have... see the game? It affects visibility too. Like if you're streaming on Mixer, you can only stream gears on 18 rating, which block, which just completely blocks anyone who's younger than 18 from watching it. So it restrict it restricts the visibility of the game. But because of Game Pass, it should even out. You know? Yeah, we have a uh, we have like 430 people watching. So if you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you hit that like button, uh, subscribe to the channel. And uh, follow Jez on Twitter. Link is in the description. Check out his articles on Windows Central to you know hear more about his thoughts about Gears Five. But man, um, Gears Pop, Jez. I saw I saw um, Gunstar wanted me to ask you about Gears Pop, uh, and we'll get back into Gears Five in a second. Have you uninstalled that mobile game? Because you were complaining about it, <laughs> and last last week on the podcast you were like, I'm enjoying it. And then all of a sudden that night you were like, I'm uninstalling this because it's pay to win. Are you have you gone back to Gears Pop? Nope. I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got like I got like to a point where now to be completely fair, this I was playing on the first day, so maybe the matchmaking curve has evened out a bit. But I, I very quickly hit a wall where people were just way higher level than me. And either like they'd played more or they'd spent money and stuff like that. And the only way I could really progress or compete was to spend money. And I just kind of felt like, nah, nah, I'm done. I'm done with this now. It just felt like a mobile game then. Like it wasn't fun anymore. I don't like feeling compelled to spend money. So I, I've dropped it. But then again, maybe there's more people playing at every level now that it doesn't matter so much. Like you get that in Hearthstone where you um you you're meant to play with people at your level, but every now and then there won't be anyone at your level online, so you'll end up playing against someone with way better cards and stuff like that. I don't know. I th- I think it's just like it's not for me, you know. I if you're if you're a person who is commuting and you just want to, you know, something to pass the time and swipe around while you're on a bus. I think Gears, Gears Pop's probably a good option there. But if, you, if you're sitting at your desk with your Xbox or your PlayStation or your Nintendo Switch, why would you ever play Gears Pop? I don't get it. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm done with it. I'm you're done, done with, it. with it. You're done with it, but you're not done with Gears 5. Um, nope. I have so much... I mean, it's it's so funny, like... Even when you think of the campaign, it's like, yeah, I've got I've got this huge campaign to get through. Well, you know, it's a pretty, it's it's a beefy sized campaign, and then and then like I never really cared about Gears versus mode before, but arcade mode is actually like fun, and it gives me a chance to actually learn the game a bit better than the hardcore versus mode. So I actually want to play versus mode a bit. 
and I've got horde mode, which is really fun again. And it's more interesting as well, because rather than just bunkering down in one place, the game sort of, it's balanced around leaving your base and capturing um, power wells that spawn around the map. So you have to like make multiple bases and move around the map and stuff like that. So like, and then there's tons of things to unlock there and level up there. And then you've got escape mode as well. And then you've got the map builder, which is also coming to versus mode and horde mode. Like, could I make like a ridiculous horde map, which is basically just like a massive tower defense sort of level? Like, God, there's just there's just so much content, and you get all that for ten dollars. It's a good deal. It's a pretty good deal, man. I'm not gonna lie. And I'm like, not gonna lie. I, I be, if people have been listening to this, this podcast for the last few weeks, they probably know that I've been super hyped for WoW Classic. And I've been super hyped for Gear for Monster Hunter Iceborne. Like Gears Five wasn't really on my radar. It was kind of like I was expecting just another Gears. I was expecting those open world levels to be kind of like the you know the the levels in Gears Four where you ride the motorbike for a bit, yeah. or like in Gears Very One where you yeah. cool. like right. like yeah. I expected I expected the skiff to just be a set piece. I didn't know it was actually going to be a game mechanic, you know. And I was just sort of like. Yeah, I like Gears, and I know it's going to be a solid Gears game, but I was just expecting it more Microsoft playing it safe, not dropping the budget for the details, not innovating. I was honestly resigned myself to just it being another Gears game. But now I've sort of, I've just decided, you know what? WoW Classic's not on my radar anymore. I'm not going to play it. I've cut WoW Classic out because... Jazz, did you, uh, everything okay there? Sorry, my stupid USB hub disconnected there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now, yeah. Okay, so I was just saying, like, WoW Classic's not even on my radar anymore. Because it's like, instead of playing WoW Classic and Monster Hunter Iceborne, I'm going to play Gears 5 and Monster Hunter Iceborne. You know, that, that's how much just trying the campaign has changed things for me. So, I'm, it's not just Gears that I'm excited for now. It's Xbox Game Studios in general because it shows Microsoft's willing to spend the money to elevate that content, you know? So that's what, like, when you were telling me about some stuff and then you said that because you've been, some people say that, oh, you know, Jazz, you're a uh, corporate shill for Microsoft. And when people say that, I know they don't actually pay attention to the articles you've written or stuff that we say here on the podcast. Like, We've had criticisms about Xbox and about their games recently. You've wrote articles. I think you wrote an article, what was it, a couple weeks ago, where it was just like, uh, you know, it's a shame and, and sad that Xbox fans have to beg for sequels and, you know, yeah, like stuff like that. So it's like, I find it funny that people are like, oh, Jazz is just a corporate shill for Microsoft and for Xbox. But clearly, if you listen, he, he's not. There's serious concerns that we've all had. Uh, with 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 Microsoft, and one of it was like Gears Five. Here's this big game, but here's Game Pass, and it's like we know that you know they they want everything to be multiplayer because they want everything to be engagement, right? Like data driven Microsoft. Like what drives engagement? Certainly not single player, uh, right? So it's like yeah. oh, so escape modes there because they want people to play more of the multiplayer, and oh, there's there's horde mode, and there's the regular multiplayer mode with arcade, and it's like. Man, they're really going off for these multiplayer modes because that's what people 
you know, are that's what they think people want to be engaged with. And so we were just concerned. It's like, man, like, is the campaign going to get the shine that it deserves? Or are they yeah. going to give it the short shrift? Because to them, they look at the data and they see, well, the games that people play every single week, they're Fortnite, they're PUBG, they're uh, NBA 2K, they're Overwatch, and they're Destinies, you know, the games that have... So it's like, in that sense that you talked about earlier... Where Microsoft sees the data and you worry sometimes that they lose some of the human element of it. So yeah. it was just a concern that we had. It's like, hey, man, I hope I hope the campaign's really good. I hope they knock it out of the park. I hope it's that great uh, you know, triple A experience that Xbox has kind of sorely lacked the last couple years. And mm-hmm. that kind of game of the year contender that you can say, man, this game is up there. This game could be put on the pedestal with any other third-party game and any exclusive from any other platform, and you can be like, this is what people have wanted and demanded. And we weren't too sure that was going to be the case. But it seems like, or after reading all this preview, it's like, there's a shot. If they stick the landing, if Act you know, 1 is as good as what you've seen of 2, 3, and 4, and if there's a 5th Act, like if all that stuff comes together, and the Coalition did it in two and a half years, but also building a multiplayer suite and Horde and Escape, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And the simple fact that they're going to be giving the game away for a dollar, and that's what people will say when Gears announces 9 million players or whatever, like they did with Forza Horizon announcing 12 million players. It's like, oh, 12 million players on a $1 trial. Like, it makes you think, well, maybe Game Pass isn't fodder, as I as people will say. Like, oh, it's just Game Pass fodder. Sure, something like Battletoads, probably, because I, I had my issues with Battletoads from the beginning. But it definitely doesn't seem like Gears 5 suffers from that whatsoever, right? No, this feels like this feels like everything. It feels like it could be everything that people have complained about for Xbox Game Studios for the last few years, like redeemed almost. That's what I'm hoping. Like if you say if they stick the land in, if like the the rest of the campaign paces and feels as fleshed out and as rich as it does so far, because I don't want to sit here and say that it's going to be Game of the Year or something like that or 2020's PUBG, as you know. Some people would say, but like, if they can, if they can, like, I'm trying to like keep my hype in check because, like, I'm a Microsoft reporter. My job is to report on Microsoft, and it's kind of like I want them to succeed for the fans, right? Because for so long now, I mean, Phil Spencer, like, very sort of, I don't know admitted it in a sort of roundabout way that the last few years Xbox Game Studios hasn't done its work, greatest work. You're damn right it hasn't, you know. But it looks like this could be the turning point. Hopefully, this could be like the first chapter in a renaissance of Xbox Game Studios games. Hopefully. We'll just have to wait and see, man. And it's not going to be long until everyone's going to get to play and find out. Yeah, next week, Ultimate Edition, uh, be on sale on Friday. Uh, and then I think the regular launch is uh, September 10th. Now, um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you uh, about the camaraderie, or the person they chose to be with Kate, it seems like they really stuck with Kate and Dell, right? Do you think they made a good pairing there instead of going with like Kate and JD or Kate and Marcus? Like is Dell much more fleshed out than he was in the past? Like not only are you experiencing like Kate's story, but do you get to learn a lot more about Dell in the process too? Do they form like a pretty good relationship? 
Well, it's still like Dell still feels like like a supporting character so far, but already it's sort of like some of the stuff that's happened, and I I can't spoil it because one of them one of them's a major a major spoiler, which which is to do with JD very early on. It's a major spoiler, like the way Dell reacts to some of that stuff and the way Dell bounces off what's happening gives you more of an insight into his character. Honestly, I would like to see Dell in the spotlight a bit more than I have so far. But like, there's still plenty of campaign left to play for me to find out. I'm like, I'm only like two or three hours in into the review. So, um, but like the camaraderie is there. But as well, interestingly, Rand, the paranoia is there because Kate's got these voices in her head, literally telling her not to trust anyone, not to trust Dell, not to trust JD, and it create that sense of paranoia comes through onto the player as well because you don't know you don't know if these people are actually supporting Kate or if they're suspicious of Kate and stuff like that especially when you find out what the stuff with JD in act 1 when you find that out and do pay attention to the cutscenes in act 1 it's very much like is the are these people trustworthy you know so like already, like I'm just compelled by what's going on. But I... uh oh, I think uh, Jez's USB thing unplugged I... again. <laughs> um, oh, well, God's sake! Oh, you're on a di- you're on a different mic now. That's for sure. Yeah, that went it flipped back to my razor internal mic. This is I swear, man. USB C. I'm gonna go on a rant about USB C in a minute. USB C ports. Don't stick into the port as well as the old micro USB. Yeah. It's really annoying. Well, I know <laughs> I know you said you wanted to keep this podcast about an hour and a half, and we're approaching that. But I wanted to give, obviously, people a chance to ask some questions that maybe you didn't cover. Uh, so, hey guys, if you got any sure, questions yeah. for Jazz or for me, uh, hit, hit us up in the uh, chat box. And uh, obviously, this will be on iTunes and uh, Google Play later, so people can listen to it as they're anticipating Gears next week. Uh, we appreciate we'll everybody also, that um, stopped by, everybody with the super chats. Uh, hit the like button if you enjoyed the podcast. Subscribe here uh, to the channel if you're new. So, uh, yeah, so let's get into it. So, we got Beat Games Life Zim wants to know, wait, 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 two hours, act one. How many acts has Jez played? So, what? Did, how, how many... What have you played so far, Jez? You played, you said, four hours at the Coalition, a uh, mixture of Act 2 and 3, and then some of uh, some of Act 1, but obviously, like, what, five hours oh, like, of a 12-hour experience? Yeah, so, like, of my of my copy at home, I've played, like, two or three hours so far. And I'm, I'm just, I've just gotten into Act 2. But you got to remember that um, I know exactly where I'm going in Act 2, because I played it last week. So I've been sort of going through act two pretty quickly quicker than i probably would have done otherwise um and i also played part of i think it was act three or act four or act five i'm not sure which was the the other act i played basically i played an act in the in the snowy the snowy valley and i played an act in the desert area which is actually um a uir country and it's it's got all unique architecture unique language like a unique uir language um what is, what are they called united independent republic i think or something like that I, I can't remember what they're called but um how are the quality of the scenes that aren't motion captured i haven't really noticed any scenes that aren't motion captured i think 
they're all motion captured that I've seen so far. But it's difficult to tell, I guess. Um, Protoss X says, what level are you in World Classic? I'm level zero. I've just decided that I'm not going to play it. I just Ooh. don't have time. I just don't have time. You see, you hit one million, one million viewers on Twitch when it launched. It's so funny. Like uh, Jay, Jay Allard, who's now the leader of Blizzard, he once said that nobody would want WoW Classic, and now look, it's like broken records for Twitch. Like that's the guy who runs Blizzard. Now. I, it's bittersweet, you know, because I'm really glad WoW Classic's doing well, but it also shows how out of touch Blizzard is with its own player base. The fact that people are willing to put up with the crappy game, the gameplay from Classic just to get the community features back that got removed. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with WoW Classic because clearly the popularity of Classic is going to inform what they do with the retail version of the game. They put themselves in a weird position now where they're running two versions of the same game. And like my my guild in in where retail is taking a break from raiding because no one's playing retail anymore. They've all gone to play World Classic. Yeah. So weird. So weird. So uh, uh, Abdullah Sammy wants to know is Marcus there? Yeah, Marcus is in the game, of course, right? Oh yeah, Marcus is Marcus is there a lot, at least in the first few acts that I've played. He basically like, um, he's basically your com support a lot of the time. Uh, guiding you and helping you and stuff like that. Are there side missions in Gears 5? Yes, there are. Zim 804. We covered this at the start of the podcast, but like the way you upgrade some of Jack's more powerful abilities is you have to do side missions and stuff like that. Like You don't have to do them, but they offer a lot of story context sometimes and Kate and Dell will banter about them and stuff like that. Are the side missions good or repetitive? They're not... not from what I've seen, they're not like fetch quests. They're more like set pieces, like mini dungeons and stuff like that. Or like there'll be a boss battle or something like that. Um, I have there's, there's nothing like a dude sends you out to do a fetch quest or something. It might send you out to like help someone. And that gives you like an NPC scene or some dialogue or like a special weapon, like a relic weapon or, or upgrades for Jack or something like that. Like I haven't seen anything that, that truly bored me. Because the gunplay is so fun too. Is this going to be the game to kill Marcus once and for all? I hope not. I'm not ready for Marcus to die. <laughs> Are you ready for Marcus to die? I'm not. I'm. Um... If if they want to take the story, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, Harrison Ford or Han Solo in Star Wars. You have this younger group. Yeah, I mean, to get, see, my theory with Gears, this Gears, was that either Kate was going to give in. And she was going to be the big bad for the next game. And then for Gears 6, maybe you play as Dell or maybe you play as JD going off to try to save Kate or kill her. Or that JD becomes the bad guy. And how do you kind of get to do that? Well, you, you kill off the series favorite, Marcus. Oh, my God. To give it, like, kill emotional weight. I, I'm, yeah, because... I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. Either way, like when I said that about like Kate becoming the villain, everyone's like, "Der Starcraft Two, Kerrigan storyline, or whatever it is." It's like, <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't know. They probably won't do that, but um, I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like I'm not really sure. I want another like, hey, the world's gonna end because there's a big bad swarm thing, and you need to go kill it like you had to in Gears well, One, this Two, is... and Three, or whatever. Like, I want this is the um. 
this is this is the the benefit of doing a gears game that takes place over several months rather than a, a few days in that several months you can fit in a lot of character development or a lot of character evolution and stuff like that between act one and two there's like a time jump of, of several weeks or months i think and you can see that kate has become a lot more serious and angry over the over the past four months fighting the fighting the swarm you know she changes a lot between like the first game and like the, the act, act two of of gears five she's a lot different you know like battle hardened and stuff like that so it's nice to see that sort of character development stuff like that i mean it, it could it could go that way i'm interested to see what like because you can even see it in jd like jd's fraying too like everyone's desperate like the the world's basically back on the on the brink of another full-blown war you know at the moment it's been like little battles here and there with the swarm it hasn't been like a, apocalyptic city sinking destruction like in gears two and three and stuff like that but so calls d4c wants to know why is the coalition pushing kate so hard literally no one likes her i like kate do you there like you kate I mean, I thought Kate. Here's the thing. I thought I thought JD was basically a whiny brat who had no personality of his own. I and, I didn't like I didn't like JD. Much. Yeah, I didn't care for JD. So I think I think Kate's a more interesting character. Uh, so I mean, I think she's better as the lead, and JD might be better as like the, you know, background. You know, just like whatever's wrong with them, like that may really have you know pay off well. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people I, that like Kate. I just I tell you, I didn't like JD. I mean, it, it, we're not. It's not a choice between well, is it Kate or is it Marcus? Because it'd be like, okay, well, Marcus is a great character, but like JD was not a great character. He was just a whiny little brat. So like, I'm kind of glad he's not the main character of this game. JD is like, he's character development and. His character development is really interesting, actually, in Gears 5, because he lives in the shadow of Anya and JD um, and Marcus Phoenix, who's like, they're both legends in their own rights, you know. So it's kind of like, you can sort of see that JD is psychologically struggling, living in that shadow, you know. And um, he's sort of, there's this conflict between him being like, do I want to be a nice guy or do I want to be you know, do I want to be like, do I want to push myself to become that sort of military to, to honor my military pedigree or whatever? You can see the conflict, like even like in two, in two sort of acts, JD is already a more interesting character, but I don't know if I'd want to, I like seeing JD as a side character because it's given him, it, it no longer puts the pressure on him to make him a likable character, which makes which gives him a chance to become something more interesting, you know? Yeah, like a villain. Yeah. The bad yeah, guy. I, the new general I don't know. Ram. I don't know if he'll be a villain. I can't see it so far. Like, I think that might, I think that might do a bait and switch. I don't oh. think he'll become a, a, a I could be Marcus wrong. Marcus becomes I'm... the villain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crispy Bomb wants to know, does this style feel the best way to move gears toward, or gears forward into the, into future installments? I think Gears 5 couldn't have survived as a linear corridor chest-high wall shooter forever. They had to do something. They had to evolve it with new abilities, progression mechanics, and wide linearity. There was just no way in hell it could have continued to be a narrow, linear 
cinematic single player game because there ain't like you just can't get away with that anymore. Like, doesn't even God of War have like wide limits? God of War, uh, God of War yeah. has yeah wide linear. It's not truly open world. It's 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 very wide linear though. Yeah, but it explores you for taking a, a great. I mean, it rewards you for taking a greater interest than exploring the game and the worlds. So um, I think like I think this is the absolutely the way Gears needs to go for the future, and I'm excited for the future of Gears now. I was sort of like just sort of in, indifferent before. You know, I, I just thought they'd be like, oh, it's another Gears game, but they're, they're innovating and evolving, and that's that's awesome to see. Abdullah Sami says, do you fight DBs? You fight zombie-infected DBs. Um, we talked about that a little bit earlier. But, like, there are new DB enemies which have been infected by the swarm. They're more meaty and more fun to fight. They're pretty creepy as well. So, there's that. All right, it looks like... Um... Those might Woo! be all the questions. Uh, I knew this would be like a special edition of the Xbox too, because Jez really wanted to like talk about, uh, you know, what he got to play in Gears Five, and you know, just hearing Jez talk about it, I'm super excited to finally play this game, and I hope everybody in chat, uh, you know, is list- if you're all excited for it, everybody's gonna be listening to this later, you know, on iTunes and stuff. Um, Oh, and um, as well, we're exploring getting the podcast on Spotify at the moment. There's like some kind of issue with getting a podcast from SoundCloud on Spotify, which is what is stopping it so far. But um, I am looking into it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you enjoyed the podcast, hit the like button, subscribe. Uh, Jez's Twitter is in the link below, as always. And uh, you got anything uh, to say, Jez, before we mosey on out of here? I just want to, you know, the response to the previews today, my preview was like awesome, like all the cool people dropping nice comments on Twitter. And it's why we do this stuff, you know, it's it's like, it's just so nice to get that support. So thank you so much. Um, I flew for 20 hours and then stayed up all night working on those previews. Like I didn't sleep until like 9am. So it's really good to, you know, to have gotten such a good response and, you know, to just be part of this fandom. Because, you know, I, I love Gears of War. You know, I've been a Gears fan, you know, God, more than 10 years. When did when the first game come out? Since the first game, I've been a huge Gears fan. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird to think that, like, to be a part of that now is just crazy. I just want to thank everyone for the support and, you know, drop likes on this podcast for a round. Yeah, and uh, make sure you check. And out happy birthday well. again to Randall Thor. Thank you. Yeah, pa- birthday was on Tuesday. Uh, got got to play Control and Man of Madon, so it was a pretty good week. Gonna be playing some Blair Witch, hopefully some Gears Five, Borderlands, a lot of games to play. So thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, Rand, 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 Rand. Yes, Rand. yes, 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 yes. Are you gonna try the Iceborne beta next week? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try. Come it. on. No, no. Come I'm on. Not gonna, try. not gonna try. Come on, man. Nope. You nope, might nope. love it. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, why so, not? On that note, we're gonna end the show. No Iceborne beta. We appreciate <laughs> you guys, and we will see you next week. Later. <laughs>